Welcome to Bear and Balance. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by the editor of that fine website, Lester A. Wiltfong Jr. Lester, for the second time this year, the Bears win back-to-back games. One more win. We can finally call this thing a winning streak. How you doing? I'm doing good. I mean, the Bears, we talk about it every week the last the last month. You know, this is the team we thought we were going to be getting when the season started. It just didn't happen, but... They're hot. I mean, it's uh, you. You could say they're probably one of the hottest teams in the NFC right now. They're not going to make the playoffs, but it's good to know they're finishing strong. Our guy Montez Sweat. Man, I've, I've been, been kind of tracking this. I last saw year. that. Our guy tweet, Montez yeah. Sweat. We'll we'll transition this into the 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 trench tribute here. But okay. our guy Montez Sweat. His his season is eight and eight on two teams that uh, can't win without him. Right. So there's only three wins combined for the Bears pre sweat trade and the commanders post uh, sweat trade. I mean, this guy, like uh, more people need to be given Montez Sweat a little bit of love when it comes to the uh, postseason awards, right? Pro Bowls, all pro votes, and things like that. Uh, he, you know, he's still got a really good chance of finishing the year with uh, the, the sack lead for two franchises. You know, and that record, I think, speaks for itself. You know, the commanders pretty much tanked after those trades and and uh, and the Bears took off. Right. They, they started to look really good. The defense completely changed their defensive DVOA, you know, the kind of an advanced statistic for that really just shot through the roof and really coincides with with him coming on and getting full game snaps and and, and looking really good. So uh, a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. We always start in the trenches. Couple places to go here because this was a total team win, right? So you, it does not like, oh, I have to go with offense or I have to yeah. go with defense. I think you can go either side here. So, what do you got for trench tribute? I'm going to go the rookie, Giron Dexter Sr., four tackles, second and a half. And, you know, when, when you watch it, he, he, I think he only had like 40 some odd snaps. So he wasn't out there, obviously, as much as, as the starters, but good rotation for the rookie. But but when he's on the field, you notice him. Uh, he's, he's hustling, you know, he gets a good push in the pocket. You know, he, he is exactly the guy that Bears want him to. And and he's you know, early in the year, he was exclusively playing uh, the, the nose, the backup, the nose. But but he's moved around the line quite a bit. We even see him coming off the edge uh, the last few weeks. So, you know, he, he has really, uh, really taken a hold here and he really found himself a, a home here. And he is giving the Bears what they need uh, out, of, out of that spot. And 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 the D-line as a whole, you know, obviously Montez Sweat is a big part of that that really helped it up. But. But but Dexter's enjoying his time here in the last uh, the last month. Yeah, Dexter credited with a sack and a half in that game, right? So again, it's exactly what you want—an interior disruptor. He's really coming on. You know, a lot of interesting comments about Dexter coming into the year with the the slow get off on the line. But was it the technique he was playing? Yeah. And then there was this back and forth. And you know, a lot of people we work with and respect, and you know, kind of went like, "I love the pick," and then it was like, "Oh, I hate the pick." After this, like little thing came out about the slow get off. And then there was like, well, it's maybe it's a coaching point. It's like, Oh, I, I think I like the pick, right? There's just like, Hey, let's just see what he looks like in an NFL uniform and see what his rookie maturation looks like. You have to really be pleased with how he's looked and how he's come along as a rookie. Absolutely. Had Dexter written down as well. Um, I wanted to just give a little bit of a shout. And this is, it's really not tongue in cheek. This is actually honest, but that missed field goal at the end, which we'll talk about at some point, uh, the missed field goal at the end of the first half, that was that return. Um, I, I watched this replay like four or five times to really understand how he didn't score. 
And Lucas Patrick gets yeah. an arm on his shoulder. It was, I believe, enough to put him off center. Somebody else might have cleaned up the tackle, but I, I, I think Lucas Patrick saves that from being a touchdown. That's your center. <laughs> that guy, I mean, I mean, he didn't snap the ball, so he's he's in the line and protection and the and field goal line, so he's shifting over to a guard. Probably, I've never actually looked to see where Lucas Patrick is he's at on, on field goal yeah. you know, protection, but he's probably you know probably playing guard, and you know he's. 300 plus pounds like he's he's not a guy that you're gonna track down a corner and here he is he's making that play probably 40 plus yards away from where he lined up and he gets enough of the guy to prevent uh, a, a touchdown return and i as a big you know former big man right as, as you know we've all been in those situations where you're like oh crap uh, and, and, you know, open field tackling is not necessarily something that offensive linemen are known for. And so I just wanted to give a little props uh, to our guy, Luke, second week in a row, Lucas Patrick's getting a little, getting a little love on this show. So wanted to mention that, uh, but I did want to say my trench tribute this week goes to Tevin Jenkins back from concussion, nice. uh, protocol. Uh, I thought he looked good. And again, uh, the bears ripped off a lot of big runs and, and they, they seem to be able to do that behind Tevin Jenkins and Braxton Jones quite a bit. And so it was really good to see Tev get back out there uh, and look healthy and look good. Strong on one of those goal line pushes as well. Like you saw his helmet kind of pop up and off, but he, you know, was in there uh, driving the pile. So for me this week, Tevin Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins had a nice game. I mean, the, the Bears O-line had a, had a much better first half. They had a few moments uh, in, in the second half, but, but overall, um, the whole line has come together. I also had Braxton Jones written down. I just thought he had another solid game uh, for what the Bears, you know, he, he, again, he's not this, this mauling, you know, nimble. He, he doesn't have like elite, elite traits where you look at, oh my God, that's the Braxton. He just is good. He's a good football player and that's what he is, uh, is here. And that's what he was here on, uh, on Sunday. Yeah, you watch Braxton Jones play, and you're like, "Yeah, pretty good." Yeah, right. And and if that that's that's pretty good for for a professional offensive lineman. And if you're not hearing his name that much, which early in the year you were, uh, you know, with some penalty issues, if you're not hearing his name, that's probably a good thing. So yeah, there, um, there was there was one flag from him, but you watch, you're like, oh, "That's really tick attack." They caught him. Was. They caught him from moving. I don't know. They said it was a, a false start. He was pulling to the outside. I'm like, I don't know, man. I mean, I, it seems like you see those tackles get the benefit of the doubt on some of those drop back passes where they kind of do the kick step early. It didn't look like he was too early. And then going back to Lucas Patrick, like you said, he did get credit for the tackle. I think he was the last bear to okay. touch him or the closest guy there. Um, he had a couple, a couple penalties in the game. One, come on, no way was that a penalty. One was really tick attack too. So, it wasn't the worst of game for Patrick, but uh, yeah, I like I like those two guys you, you mentioned. Yeah, definitely, definitely that one play like that. That's a hustle play, yeah, and, and gotta great. love it from a big guy. So, all right, let's move on to the Twitter portion of the week. Sweet tweets, uh, and we both we both uh, went with long tweets this we week. Did, so, yeah. so why don't you start off a little little message from the enemy here? <laughs> it's funny. So I had to set this up a little bit. So Dan Orlovsky, uh, he, he had a tweet out there saying the Bears and Justin Fields situation is now legit fascinating. He goes on to name a bunch of uh, first-run quarterbacks, and his question is how many of the last 10 number one overall quarterbacks flipped their franchise? So Peter Bukowski who, who Bears fans know is the guy that loves to troll Bears fans. He's a Packers beat writer. Um, we've had him on the channel. Uh, Bill Zerman had him on a couple times. A, a troll. I mean, he is a guy that Bears fans cannot stand. You know, but every now and then he'll throw something out there. You're like, what? This guy said something positive? So he, it's a positive Bears tweet from Peter Bukowski. Difference is the Bears aren't number one overall pick bad. 
We ruin a lot of young quarterbacks because they go to garbage situations. Chicago, it's much closer to what the Cowboys were for Dak than the Panthers who earned that number one pick are for Bryce. This is a guy who is who does nothing on Twitter but needle Bears fans. He loves it. I mean, he, he he's admitted that's part of his online presence. He loves giving shit to Bears fans. That's what he does. But here he is looking at the Bears situation from afar. And it's like, man, if they do move on from fields, which I'm sure we'll talk about soon here, if that does happen, they are in a prime position with a better roster to kind of absorb the growing pains from a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I. it's like, wait, did, do I do I agree with this guy? Like, do I like that tweet? I don't I, know. Half of his online personality is just trying to get a rise out of Bears fans. Like, you just you just need to ignore it, get, yeah. get over it, right? Like, that's what he wants. And there there is a little bit of there's a financial incentive behind these days, driving yeah. engagement yeah. right it's not just you know follow there there are ways some of these guys get paid for you you know retweeting this stuff and you, even some bears content creators I, that i think is better left just kind of leaving alone they're doing the same thing they're they're doing it from a different angle of course but they're also doing the same thing so yeah. it's interesting that you get a little moment of clarity here where the guy's just like actually giving you some good you know, legitimate football breakdown. This is true, right? This, you know, it, it's a very weird and interesting situation because, you know, say what you will about, I don't think that Ryan Poles could have ever predicted that this would have been gone this well. You hope, right? But you definitely wouldn't have predicted that the the Panthers would have sent back the number one pick after after this trade, right? It, and it, so it feels a little... A uh, bit like a heist. I mean, it, it really does feel like some thievery going on here. But if the Bears did go in that direction to to take a quarterback number one overall, the roster around him is so much better than a normal team that would be, you know, in that position. Like, oh, we had a terrible year. We're going to take this quarterback to kind of be the guy, and he's got to kind of withstand a couple years of punishment as we build up the roster around him. The Bears' offensive lines look pretty good. You've got a number, legit number one uh, receiver. You've got the own. Uh, the Bears still have their own pick, which will be in the middle of the round or maybe, you know, around the top 10, you know, depending on what happens on Sunday. And so you could add another weapon there. Like, you know, you would and you still have plenty of cap space. So, you know, there, there's a possibility that this rookie quarterback could come in with a defensive play as well, you know, and and you could have a good running game, great running game. And, and you could have legitimate weapons. It just doesn't happen for quarterbacks to come in in different situations like that. So, uh, yeah, it really is a better situation than most teams would ever dream of. You know, I really quick before I get yours, I want to have an honorable mention sweet tweet. And that's all the tweets from, from the Panther fans and Panther beat writers that happened that are now being pulled as receipts. They were so sure of how good the Panthers would be with Bryce Young. I mean, some of these guys were so adamant on Twitter. It was hilarious. And then now, of course, you know, once the Bears secured the, the first pick because of they suck, those tweets are all coming back on the timeline, and it's just fun to see. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to write about the article that I wrote, you know, last year, I guess. We're, we're into the new year yeah. where I, I wrote an article very much tongue-in-cheek called I Hate the Carolina Panthers, and I listed all of the ways – in which I hated the Carolina Panthers, which were largely fabricated because I don't care about the Carolina Panthers. Bears fans shouldn't, right? There's no real beef there. And there's actually kind of more of like a shared player history than you might think if you kind of think about it. 
And, and so I just sort of took a tongue in cheek approach and went for it. And it took off like on Reddit and it took off in these different places and someone screenshotted, but they took out the, the part where I, you know, basically give the game like, Hey, obviously I'm joking here. Like there's, there's some lines and, and that took off on Twitter and all these people were calling me, you know, yeah, some, some pretty mean names and so you know, I mean bad. whatever that's fine yeah. not the first time I mean Bears fans have called me that for yeah. for years so not not a you know I, I, can, I can handle it but um, going back and trying to look at the article and I was reading through the comments today and uh, I found one of the Twitter threads and reading just how confident some of those some of those Panthers fans were and I get it like you, you talk trash but I mean it was like you know, hey, we're gonna take Bryce Young. We're gonna we're gonna make the playoffs. We're gonna win this division. Like, you know, th- this is where we're heading, man. Like, you don't know anything about this team if you think we're gonna be bad. It's like, okay, They're I didn't say anything. DJ Moore. DJ Moore sucks. He's not very yeah, good. Oh, yeah. We're like, what? They improved. They 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 got better, right? They yeah. they got better because they got Adam Thielen, and you know, yeah. they, they 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 think they improved because they got rid of DJ Moore. I mean, just. Wild. you know ultimate fan thing stuff so anyway good stuff there uh hopefully i'll be able to get that article out here in the next couple of days and we'll we'll all have a little bit of fun because it is kind of a, ce- a championship celebration moment <laughs> for, for for bears fans because uh this this thing really did cash in so mine's from kevin fishbane um he's at k fishbane uh he says the bears finished the season five and three at soldier field their first over 500 record at home since 2018 uh, so that's that's just impressive on itself. With 37 points, they had their highest scoring output at home since uh, September 30th, 2018. And it's the most uh, points they have scored at Soldier Field with Justin Fields. And the Bears are seven to nine. So uh, I just I just thought this is a pretty good like big picture and a moment for us to kind of talk about it. 16 games into the season, one left, uh, obviously against the rival up in you know that place up north. And so hey winning record at home like you know bears fans have you know season ticket holders have seen more wins than losses at home this year that's pretty impressive like that's that's uh not something that we would have thought in september that we would be able to say um and you know you did see a surge in scoring in this one which which again has not been something that has happened much in winning efforts right some of the biggest scoring efforts that the bears have had have been when they're playing in these shootouts that they end up losing so uh, a pretty good summation there of what happened uh particularly at soldier fields this year for the bears field this year for the bears it's so strange because you're like if, if you're just the guy that like you said it's the guys that have, have season tickets you know they've they've seen five wins in a row you know the bears have looked you know competent for the most part at home and and this strong finish here you know it, it kind of makes a lot of fans harken back to what happened with the lions last season kind of same situation they were really bad early and we've talked about it on this show a few times but the the Lions last year were better earlier on than the Bears were. The Lions got some bad luck. The Bears had some really atrocious stuff. And, of course, they had the the, the awful, you know, double-digit blown games. There are some parallels to draw. I mean, if then, of course, here we are, week 18, just like the Lions did. The Lions last year had a chance to, to beat the Packers and, and send them home. The Bears, don't, it's not quite as cut and dry. I mean, the Packers could still get in with a loss, but it'll be pretty tough. So the, here, the, here the Bears are. They can play spoiler. They can finish on a really strong, you know, winning streak. Finally, three in a row if they win. A lot of momentum going to the next season. And I think that's legitimate. And I think maybe we could just talk about that a little bit. Uh, I think there are some people, and I think that they are fine in this opinion, but there are some people that say nothing carries over between seasons. But 
I will tell you covering football for the last almost decade and you've done it longer than I have. When is the off season in football? <laughs> it doesn't exist, right? So I mean, there's just coverage all of the time and the off season is its own coverage season maybe not everybody consumes it, but a lot of people do. And so once the, the games stop, we start talking about free agency. We start talking about the draft and these players think about these things too. Where am I going to go to get paid? Yes. But where am I going to go where we're going to win some football games? Where am I going to go to set myself up in a good position so that I can get another contract? Where am I going to set myself up so that I can get some postseason awards, which are worth this to me? Like, you know, where can I win a championship? Right. These are the things that these players think about. Some of them may prefer one over another, but those are the, the types of things that these players think about. If you're just a dog shit team, like you're not going to get a lot of good players without paying just a huge premium, right? And so if there's some excitement in the, if there's something brewing, that that's what happened in Detroit. Mm-hmm. There's excitement that's happening around what the Lions were doing. And they had that momentum that carried into the off season and they were able to carry that through. And they, that's, that's what's ha- happening in Detroit. We need to see that in Chicago. You need to see that with more free agents that want to come here. You want to see that with just the overall vibe. Like, I do think that is a real thing. And and that's how you're going to be able to successfully spend what is a lot of free agent money. Uh, Ryan Pohl said last year, well, they have to want to come here, right? When he was asked, well, why haven't you signed an edge rusher? And he said, well, they have to want to come here. He was trying. But he wasn't going to do that like, well, I'll pay you 30% more than anybody else if you'll just come here, right? He's 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 trying to be you know, fiscally responsible in how he's spending that money and not just writing blank checks. Well, that's you know, one, that's good. But now I think you can see how the free agency is going to go this year where more of these players are going to be like, yeah, I want to go there. I want to go to Chicago. Well, if you're a free agent edge now, and and let's say a couple teams are bidding for your services, you're like, man, I could play on the opposite edge of Montez Sweat. I I, I want to go to Chicago. Plus, Chicago are have won. You know, they finished a strong season. There's some buzz in Chicago. So yeah, it's, it's what you said. I mean, it's at the end of the day, money talks. I mean, if you if you come over the top with cash, you're gonna get your free agency. But but if the money's comparable. And and you can sell your franchise by saying, "Hey, look at us! You know, look where we were, look where we are, look where we're heading." You know that that's that's how you sell yourself to a potential free agent. Yep, I love it. So it is meaningful. It is something to think about as we as we work into this off season. So uh, let's let's do caught up in a numbers game stat of the week. There's a lot of numbers out there. I was trying to choose something that was kind of interesting uh, because we're getting close to the end of the end of the year. But what did you come up with? My number is twenty two. And that is the uh, the Bears league leading twenty two interceptions. They're right now leading the league. Also, the last time he led the league in interceptions was two thousand eighteen. Go back to the Kevin Fishbane tweet. But more remarkable about this is the Bears were zero and four to start the season. They had zero picks in those first four weeks. So I know Montez Sweat has a lot to do with this, but also the team is getting better. Um, you heard Coach Flus talk about it in this presser. They asked him why wasn't this defense as good early. A lot of newcomers, a lot of rookies. They were learning the system, learning the scheme, and it does. It takes time to kind of get you know familiar with what you want to do there, to understand what the guy next to you is going to do. You know, playing with each other, knowing where he is, sitting in the zone, knowing how you're going to adjust based on this receiver's break. All that kind of stuff matters, and the more you're in it, the more the more better you are. 
man, 22 picks, Bears leading the league. Now they get to go against Jordan Love, who threw no picks uh, week one and kind of had his way with the Bears. So let's see if they can keep it going. Yeah, I mean, uh, of all of the negative things that we've said about Matt Eberflus on this show, which I have led led the show in negative remarks about about that coach, I I, I get it. Uh, once he took over defensive play calling duties, brought in his advanced scout Phil Snow to help him kind of get a handle on that side of things, and once. Montez Sweat was traded for, I mean, that was a little later, but traded for and started producing actual pressure numbers. And then you started to see more games and twists and, and stunts up front and a little bit more creativity. I believe the pressure, the, the blitz rate went up a little bit as well, mm-hmm. right? You started to see more creativity and more things, more things that we were asking for. And then I don't know. I asked for more play action in the Nagy era, you know, every week for, I don't know, you know, however many years we did the show and I never got it. Um, here we asked for more, more creativity, more pressure, you know, more games up front and we got it. And, and then we got a more talented defensive end that came in to, to really add that, that extra element. And so once that happened, you started to see a difference because quarterbacks were forcing the ball. Yes. They played some backup quarterbacks and, yeah. and that, that helps with that. But you know, it really does. If you have a talented secondary that's playing sound fundamental football that understands how to pass receivers off and all those things, and you have a pass rush that's that's getting home or or they're, they're creating pressure, that's what creates some of those bad decisions. And and the Bears corners to their credit and Bears playmakers, defensive playmakers to their credit are are taking advantage of those opportunities when they come. Uh, you know, there's there's been plenty of times in the past where guys had a pick available to him and it falls on the ground. Right. So you, so you have to give them credit for, for pulling those in. So I love it. Uh, 22 interceptions. That's great. And you got a good chance of, of finishing the year leading the league, which again is not something that we would have ever dreamed of talking about uh, at any point in September. So good stuff there. Mine. Um, I'm just want to read DJ Moore's stats. Oh yeah. So he is, uh, he currently has 92 catches for 1300 yards and eight touchdowns. So it's also good to, there are some people, there are some purists out there among us who say like, I only care about the 16 games, right? Because it's 17 game schedule, like that's garbage. It's always been 16 games. So that's what I care about for records. And, I, and I've got some news for you, my friend, go back in the record books. Uh, they didn't always play 16 games yeah. either, but it, it is good to kind of know like, Hey, what does this look like in terms of a season for uh, DJ Moore with those numbers? And one he has set personal records for yards and touchdowns already. Previously, that was 1,193 and seven in two different years in Carolina. Uh, he he needs two more catches to beat his reception personal uh, reception total. So that's pretty cool in and of itself. If he gets eight receptions, that puts him up to 100. Um, that would be only the sixth Bears season where a, a wide receiver had 100 catches or more. Um, if he uh, has, uh, let's see, was a couple of yards, he <laughs> two yards, he moves up into fifth place. He's one one yard behind Jeff Graham, uh, uh, or he moves he moves up into fourth place. Um, if he has 101 yards, he can move up into third place uh, and pass Marcus Robinson, which I think. Our, our guy Jack might be sad that, guy, that yeah. Robinson would move down there. I'm sure he would pull that maybe the 16 to 17 argument there. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, and then if he has 122 yards, 
he'll pass Alshon and he'll be up in the second place. So then uh, there's an off chance that if he if he just goes off that he could maybe catch Brandon Marshall. It would be another monster game, one of those 200 plus yard games that he would need. But it, it you know the point is that even though Justin Fields missed a few games, which really depressed DJ Moore's stats during that time, and they didn't really connect super early, like at least in the Green Bay game, he didn't get targeted much. You know, he still has had a really incredible season and he's got a chance to put, you know, even with a pretty solid game in, in, in the last week of the year, he could put together uh, a single season mark that I think ranks as high as just about and well-rounded, right? Like it's, yeah. it's a lot of catches. It's a lot of yards, you know, yards per target. Like everything's just really good. It's just this really sound line from DJ Moore and, you know, Fought through an injury, right? Didn't miss time though, but you know he fought through an injury in one game, uh, but was out there the next. I just, I think overall, really proving what he can do with a legitimate quarterback. I can't imagine they're going to have a game plan against the Packers that does not feature DJ Moore, especially after Week One, where I th- what do you have three or four targets the whole game? It was just terrible. Plus, you know now now he's been rolling with Fields. They got a nice thing going. They're going to force feed him. I mean, the, when the Bears go through, run the offense through DJ Moore, they have success. I mean, they win games. You know, they've they've they got to keep that going. And I think DJ Moore is going to get uh, get some more more catches, uh, touchdown, more yards, and uh, make that record really pop because he's he's on his way here. Also, something we asked for. Yes. How many how many weeks in a row did I say run the offense through DJ Moore? And then we started to see it. And we started to see success. So, you know, maybe they are listening. Right. That, that that's all. That's all I'm saying. All right, let's let's hit up the Fields report. Uh, interesting game from Fields because if you look at the numbers, 20 of 32, 268 yards, which is pretty high for him, right? You don't always see high yardage totals from, from Justin. One touchdown, no interceptions, took care of the ball. Took three sacks, losing 28 yards on that. Rushed the ball 11 times for 45 yards and another touchdown. So you look at that line and you say, yeah, that's fine, right? But I got a lot of... I, you know, when I'm watching it, it was like he looked in command. Everything looked really, really nice. Uh, he didn't there weren't really any turnover worthy plays that I, I could see. I mean, he, he lost. He didn't lose a fumble, but he had a fumble at the end there yeah. that Braxton Jones got, which why are we dropping back in that in that stage? Of the game? Why is he even in? Like, yeah. it, it just kind of blows my mind. But um, the, to, to, to get back on track here, uh, you look at the line. If you're just box score scouting, you'd be like, whatever. Like he had a couple four touchdown performances or, you know, what is this? This is, this isn't fine. This is nothing. I thought it was one of his best games yeah. that he's ever played. He looked fully in control and I was just really impressed by the whole game from Justin Fields. He had two other huge runs that were called back because of penalties um, that, that obviously you can't get those back, but the fact that he made those plays, you know, the scrambles, some of his scrambling ability, you know, there, there were highlights on, on, on every, every, Every Twitter account was was tweeting those out. It was just such a fantastic uh, game with his legs, but but his arm. Um, I think it's uh, Pro Football Focus has the big time throw, um, and they had him with five this week, which is his most he's had since the Steelers game. Um, you know, a couple years Way ago. Back. So so he made some pinpoint throws. It was some some bad weather conditions, obviously with the snow. You know, some of those throws to DJ Moore. I mean, the first one, the touchdown, you know, he was just like the putting the ball right there. No quarterback is going to be perfect. You know, if you watch enough NFL football, you see 
Mahomes miss shots. You know, you you see the greats miss shots on occasion. So this is our guy. So we're hypercritical because that's what we do. We're, we're watching our team all the time. So I, I, I've had people come at me, oh, he missed a few easy ones. They all miss a few easy ones. They all have a few mistakes. They all make a few, you know, missteps along the way. This was a great game from Justin Fields. Every aspect, you know, this is this is who you want. And, I mean, he's given Ryan Pohl something to think about here as, as the season winds down. Where do you think that's at? Where well, do you think you would be at? I don't know, man. I mean, it's like th- that first overall pick, it just gives you so many options a- as a franchise, you know, and, you know, I-, I don't like the term reset the quarterback clock because I-, I get it from a financial standpoint. And it's nice to have, but ultimately get the quarterback position right. Okay. It doesn't matter how you get there, get that position right. I- I'm a Fields fan. I mean, we both are. I-, I want it to work out in Chicago. It just seems like with that number one pick option, that's it, logical to go that way. But something else to talk about, the locker room, you know, they love Justin Fields. You know, that that's that's a tough sell. We talk about how you got to sell things to your to pr- pr- prospective free agents. How are you going to sell it to your to your team? Yeah, you know, Justin Fields has, has been great for us. He's, he's done what we've asked him to do. We put him through that horrendous year last year. And then now here we are. We're going to dump him. That's a tough sell. You know, as you hear those those players after the game, Montez Sweat had something to say. Brisker had something to say. A lot of those guys, the, 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 def- the defensive players love him. You know, his offensive players love him. Can you move on from that? I don't know, man. It's a tough situation for, for Ryan Poles, but it's a good situation because, you know, you got a lot of options. I was thinking about this earlier today, and you and I have gone to camp together for the last five years. Uh, 2019, which would have been the year after the the good year, right? And all the buzz, but the the kicker, the weird kicker stuff, yeah. right? Augusta and then you had 20, silence. yeah, <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> the weirdest, the weirdest thing. But like, whatever, that was what dominated uh, so much of that camp. Anyway, uh, 2020 obviously was COVID, so there was no camp. Uh, 2021, 2022, 2023. What I was thinking about was what was the like excitement level and all that stuff from what, what were people pulling from, from those things? And when I was, when I was going back and thinking about it, 2019 year had a lot of buzz because of the, of the success of the team in 2018. That's obvious. You had the weird kicker stuff, but there was so much excitement about the defense and Khalil Mack. Like it, it, you know, they, they came out with the hundred year anniversary thing and they did all the bobbleheads and it was mac right like they they knew that that was their star and as much as people might have liked trubisky like there was a lot of i I don't know difference of opinion on where people were at and what they were excited about and where the jerseys were and like i i know that that stuff might not matter to some people but i always look at that stuff where who's what jersey you wearing who are you cheering for what are you excited about and it felt very much like they were super excited about this defense Obviously, we weren't there in 2020, 2021, we come in and there was just this like, why is this coaching staff still here? <laughs> and, and that's really what kind of dominated there. There was this kind of weird sense, you know, fields didn't really get any reps in camp. Um, you know, there's some people that were a little bit excited about the rookie, but I just you didn't get an overwhelming sense of it because it was a lot about the coaching staff shouldn't be here. And I'm not really quite sure how to feel about all this. 
And then we go to camp and it is half the, half the jerseys in the stands are, are number one. That's Justin Fields. There are kids that are screaming at Justin Fields. Justin Fields, come over here and sign my football. Like it, they are there for Justin Fields. It is Justin Fields. Like they are obsessed. And it only got bigger this last year. This fan base is in on Justin Fields. They like this. Yes, there's there's critics that are in this fan base and they're ready to move all that. I get that. But like overwhelmingly, this guy is one of the most popular Chicago Bears football players that I have ever witnessed in my, you know, how many ever years I, I've been following this team. He's popular as hell. And so can you as a franchise be able to look your locker room and your, who he's very popular with and your fan base in the eye and say, it's just business. It's just business, man. Like we, it is what it is. We, we, you know, we're going to send them to a, a good place. Um, but we're, you know, we, we think this is the best uh, move for the franchise. That's going to be tough. Ryan Poles has always had a big picture mentality. He's talked about it since the day he took over. He's always been looking to the future. So the question he's going to have to ask himself this offseason is, is this still something he's working on for the future? Or is 2024 where he thinks is the payoff? If he thinks that's the payoff, he thinks the team's ready to go, he may just keep fields. And, and and trade number one for a haul because he's going to get a haul for that for that for that first overall selection. It's a tough situation, you know. I it's, mean, it's it's so fascinating and yeah. it's it's so exciting to see what's going to happen. So uh, good stuff. All right, uh, quick break. On the other side of it, we're going to do everybody's favorite segment, the Three Bears. Stick with us. All right, Lester, we're back. Three Bears: hot bowl of porridge, cold bowl of porridge, and just right. Where do you want to go with your hot bowl of porridge this week? I'm going to stick with uh, with one of Ryan Poles' rookies, and that is cornerback Tyreek Stevenson. Two interceptions uh, in the game, four passes defended, five tackles. Uh, his four picks in the season tie for the team lead. Um, he leads the Bears with 15 passes defended, and that's actually six best in the entire NFL, which I had no idea. He was up there in that category until I looked at the stats today. Tyreek Steven has been phenomenal the last month, month and a half, two months. He has really come on strong after a rough early part of the season. He is pretty damn good football player. And his tackles, I mean, he's like fourth in the team in tackles, like 70-some-odd tackles. He's a physical player. He's athletic. He has good ball skills, you know, and and another another uh, big big-time pick by Ryan Poles. King Poles does it again. Does it again. Does it again. Yeah, absolutely. He's one of the two names that I have written down. Uh, you know, two picks, even if one of them was a little bit of a tip ball floater, like you're still in position. You still make there, the play. Yeah. Like but Those count just the same, but been really impressed with his ball skills lately. And like you say, like took those lumps early. That's what rookie corners have to go through. They all have to go through that with the exception of like sauce Gardner, right? Like th that's exactly what you'd expect, but he's, he's made it over that curve. He's looked really good and it helps being, you know, playing on the opposite side of, of Jalen Johnson. Like I understand that. And that's 
why he's gotten so many opportunities <laughs> to to rack up those passes defense because they're going to pick on him, right? Yeah. So that's been a really good learning opportunity. But with that comes a little bit of a risk, right? Because if you if you get burned repeatedly, your confidence can get shot. You can just think, you know, and you can just get in your head. He hasn't done that. He's he's stepped up. He's played well. Um, just just a really great rookie year out of him. Really impressed. I'm going with my guy, Khalil Herbert. Talked about it on the pre-show. You know, this is 2024. Khalil Herbert wears number 24. I've got my shirt on, uh, my Khalil Herbert shirt on, all juice, no pulp. Uh, I really love this guy. 18 carries, 124 yards, and a score. And just, you know, a couple of explosive runs. And that's the difference, right? We we had a little bit of a conversation with, with some of our friends before the game. Some people were saying, I really like uh, Deontay Foreman. Yeah, we like Deontay Foreman too. But Deontay Foreman doesn't necessarily have that same level of explosive play ability that Khalil Herbert brings you, and you see it, right? He has just a couple of those explosive plays a game that really changes the complexity of uh, of, of what you can expect out of your running back and can change the the outcome of the game. So uh, Khalil Herbert gets my hot bowl of porridge, and back-to-back weeks, over 100 yards, love to see it. He's uh, up again for the FedEx Ground Player of the Week this week. Probably not going to win this week, but he won last week. And, and, and like, like you're saying, you know, Herbert is more explosive. That's why he's active over Deontay Foreman, who who we both like. You know, Deontay Foreman is is a good running back in the NFL, but you know, s- situations dictate that he's just there's not a place for him. He's not playing special teams. You know, he's not above Roshan Johnson at this point on the depth chart because Roshan is a good, you know, a good number two because he can do a little bit of the stuff out of the backfield. He's a better pass blocker still than Herbert is, so there's just not a place for Foreman. He was signed when it was signed. They didn't have Foreman or, or Johnson, so. It is what it is. He wasn't up. He had a tweet about it, right? Yesterday or, or Saturday. And kind of people like, oh, is he mad about something? We kind of figured it was going to happen. He's just not as good of an overall football player as Herbert. Herbert is better. And that's why he's in there getting the uh, the reps. Yeah. And he's healthy, right? Like, so, yeah. you know, for a while you go, oh, you got the three headed backfield and all that. But I think that this was the original plan coming into the year was that Herbert's your number one guy because he pr- brings that ability. You've got a well-rounded guy in Roshan that you'd like to bring along. They're very happy about being able to find him in the draft. They didn't think that he'd be available where they got him. And so they added him into the mix, um, which kind of changed the complexity. So it's unfortunate for Foreman, but he got his chance to be the, the lead back for a while. You know, he, he keeps some tread on the tires to be able to go back into because I think it was just a one-year contract, right? Is he for Foreman? Yeah, Foreman, yeah. I think one year deal. He'll, he'll be yeah, fine. So, he'll, so he'll land somewhere. He'll yeah. land somewhere. He's a good running back. Um, you know, and, and again, uh I get it. That's frustrating for him, but Herbert is is really the primary back here. So uh flip it around, cold bull porridge. What do you have uh for that this week? I'm gonna go to the offensive line. I'm gonna talk a little bit about Nate Davis. Um, he had a rough game. He was going against Calais Campbell, though, who is 37, 38 years old, but he's still, he has that, we talk about old man strength, like uh, from uh, Mercedes Lewis. Campbell's the same way. Campbell's still playing really good football. One of the best interior guys in the entire NFL. Davis had had some struggles. You know, there was a, a play earlier where he got beat. Um, there was that weird situation where the sack came, and it was at Lucas Patrick or Nate Davis. You know, who knows what happened there? Um, Probably I'm leaning towards towards Lucas Patrick, but still Nate Davis is there too. Just a weird situation. But right away when when that play was highlighted on on the on the CBS broadcast, is you start seeing people. Oh, Nate Davis sucks. Nate, he's going against Calais Campbell. You know, those guys make plays on occasion. Also, they're pretty good over there. Nate Davis had a rough game. I'm going to call him out for that, but he doesn't suck because he had a rough game. He had a rough game. 
It happens. He'll he'll bounce back next week against Packers. Man, Calais Campbell, 6'8", 282 pounds, as he's listed. Probably a little bigger than that. A little bigger than now, yeah. <laughs> but just a monster of a guy. And I, I really got to know Calais Campbell a little bit, not personally, but you know, know of the person uh, on one of those uh, uh, streaming shows where there's in-season um, – uh, I can't remember what it's called. All or nothing. That was what it was called. All or nothing on the Cardinals year. That was a, like they went pretty far in the playoffs and, and Larry Fitzgerald and Bruce Arians and all this kind of stuff. And uh, Campbell was was on that team and just has this really deep, raspy voice. Uh, it's just kind of fascinating to listen to. So uh, but but he's he is a giant of a man. And yeah, just even though he's closer to 40 than, than 30 uh he's he's still load and, and still a difficult guy to 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 try to block but rough game from him um for me it's the decision to kick the ball at the end of the first half now i i maybe maybe not necessarily locked into this all the time but i saw the tweets from i believe it was biggs before the game that said Cairo Santos going this direction, you know, misses from this distance, you know, the winds, the winds an issue, right? Don't expect a kick over 50 yards. And then they lined up for a kick at that distance. And I was like, what's happening here? This isn't a very good idea. And it it really almost cost them seven points and, and could have really changed the complexity of the game. Those are just not good decisions. Like don't send your kicker out there in that situation because he can't control that. That's not on him. That's, that's the elements. And so that just kind of spoke to some situational awareness lack thereof uh, on that particular uh, point of the game. And and look, it was a complete victory. You know, they they more than doubled up the points of the, of the Falcons. Like they looked good, you know, in in pretty much all, all parts of the game. I know I'm being a little picky, but that's kind of the point of the show. Yeah. But that's a bad decision. They asked Flus about it after the game. They something about, uh, you know, why do you elect to kick into the wind at that situation? And his response was, "Was it into the wind?" You know, so he, saying it wasn't in he, from the Bears' point of view, that was not into the wind. That was with the wind. Regardless, it was you know, like like you said, I think it was it was Biggs. He kind of tweeted out that his max at that distance was at that side was fifty. Weird situation. We're down to the half. You know, just one of those weird coaching things where you're like, what? Like, what is the point of this? You know, just the lead up to the field goal was strange. The field goal itself was even stranger. And and it was, you know, it could have been seven for the Falcons. Should have been. I mean, really, yeah. like, like I was very close to, to taking it all the way to the house. So, again, a little nitpicky because of the end result. You might think so. But that's that's just a that's just not a very good decision there. Uh, just right. Where do you want to go here? For my just right, I'm going back to Justin Fields. Okay. You know, this is the game. You know, he did it with his arm. He did it with his leg. He was pushing the ball downfield. He was working the middle of the field. You know, he took the check down when he was there. We saw him kind of go through his progressions. He scrambled, playing winning football. Like I said, there were, there were not many turnover-worthy plays. The strip sack at the end got hit from the blind side. You know, you, you want to see him get, get rid of the ball there in the situation a bit quicker. You know, but he was saved with the ball for the most part. This is winning football from Justin Fields. If this is the guy the Bears get every week, and look, the Falcons have a pretty good defense. I, I know yep. they they weren't, they weren't you know they weren't the best team. They don't have any real, really big name players over there. But we talk about DVOA. I think they're a top ten DVOA coming in. That's a pretty good defense. Maybe the the best defense Fields has beat in in his young career. So if this is the football Fields plays, 
again, it makes the decision for Ryan Poles that much tougher. I don't know what's going to happen. It's just uh, very strange. I like it. I like that choice. It makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, you know, again, I, in some ways the, the, the stat line may not jump out at you as something that you would want to like, you know, etch in stone and, and, and display it, but it was one of the best games that I think he's, he's played. He just had control middle of field throws. Like there was just some stuff there that I, I really liked. And yeah, the, the Falcons are not a pushover team. They, they've got some good players on defense. Uh, I, we've already talked about DJ Moore. I actually don't think this is a just right thing because there's a pretty lofty uh, line there, nine for 159-1. I had him written down in case I needed to pivot, but I actually want to talk about our guy, TJ Edwards. Now, Edwards did not have any tackle. He had like two tackles. Two tackles. Which like, yeah. you know, he had been a tackling machine and then he was on, he was on pace to break the record. And I was like, well, he's still on pace, but it doesn't look quite as obvious. And then like, he's not going to get it. Like, it's just, it's just not going to happen unless, you know, something absolutely insane happens next week. And so, you know, I, I was kind of thinking about it. And so in the spirit of just right, it's like what we expect from him. And this wasn't a game we expect from him, but I think that as the defense steps up around him and starts playing better, maybe those, you know, he doesn't have to make all of the tackles around the field. Yeah. And so that's, that's good, but he comes up with an, with another interception and that gives him three on the year. And I just think he's just been such a good signing for this football team. He's played consistently from start to finish at a really high level. And he comes from, you know, he comes from the Eagles, right? Comes from an organization that had a lot of success and, you know, uh, uh, you you have Edmonds and Edwards. They're both coming from organizations that have had success. Maybe there's something to that, right? Like you heard some quotes this week about, you know, bringing that championship mentality over, that winning mentality over. Uh, and maybe that has been part of that defensive surge is that he, he's been leading the way. I've just been really impressed with him. I think it's just been an, a really nice year. I didn't know where else to kind of fit that in to the show, but I wanted to kind of give him a shout out. Not a good pick. I mean, like you said, he, he didn't make the tackles, but he comes up when he has to make a play. You know, he's around the ball all the time. I mean, if you watch that game back, I mean, he wasn't getting there, but he was like right there. You know, so he's he's in position. Uh, he, he's a sound, smart, fundamentally uh, good football player. And uh, that, that's a good pick there for the just right. T.J. Edwards, man, he, he's having a heck of a year and, you know, it may end up in a Pro Bowl. Uh, that'd be great and you know he's a local kid right so yeah. uh, i'm glad that he came again a lot of reasons to maybe want to come play for the bears i would imagine that that may have been part of what he was interested in and also maybe that relationship with ian cunningham from from the eagles right like there's a lot of things to play into this it would be interesting to maybe hear that from him at some point uh to, to maybe see how that first year went and maybe maybe we can maybe uh get that going but any uh anything that you want to talk about before we get out of here one game left um you know, it's, you know, it's just that team up north. Yeah. No, no big deal. No big deal. You know, we haven't really touched on it too much, but the Eberflus uh, report from uh, over the weekend where they said that, you know, the, the tweet was very misleading, made it sound like it was set in stone. Um, and then you kind of read what, what he said, what he wrote, you watch the report. It does seem like they're leaning towards keeping Eberflus. And I don't know how I feel about that. You know, I mean, it's, it's, What's happening at quarterback? That's my only concern because I do not want to see a, a replay of this the, the same story we've seen here with just different characters. Yeah, I don't want to see another guy as a head coach get a rookie quarterback. Doesn't work out because my biggest fear is 
is they give him the rookie quarterback. He underperforms again. He blows a few more games that he should win. He makes some other bonehead decisions down down the stretch, and they only win seven or eight games next year. They're looking at like, well, this should have been a playoff team in year three. Let's go move on and get a new offensive guy that comes in and, and kind of mold him around. And now he's going to have to work with the rookie quarterback. If Lou stays, I think that's the best path for Fields to stay. But I'm not quite sure that's the right way to go. It's again, it's what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I haven't seen anything that makes me change my mind on on Coach Eberflus. I I think that he's just not a good head coach. I think he can be a successful defensive coordinator. I think yeah. you can absolutely give him credit for turning that defense around. There's also been a lot of investment on that side of the ball, right? High price free agents. Good free agents that have come in, multiple trades and and uh, and free agent signings, and the the draft picks um, that they've invested on that side of the ball in the last couple of years. It's a it's a lot. It's a lot of premium capital to put in that side of the football, but they've done it, and and those guys have been coached up to the point where they're contributing, and you know all those guys look like they're, they're you know who are you giving credit to? Is that a polls thing? Is that polls being in sync with with Eberflus and you know you. You don't want to just take September off again. Like that would be nice if you, you had that team playing a little bit uh, higher level football earlier. I, I think that as a head coach, though, I, I, I've i made the comment several times, particularly on Twitter, is that man sets bar on ground, man steps over bar, and then some people marvel at the bar clearing abilities of said man. Like you can't really just let the guy define his own performance based on how bad he was to start. This isn't a most improvement award. This is, there's 31 other coaches out there. And if you can't honestly look at yourself and say, I like our head football coach better than I like anybody else in the division, you may want to go out and try to find another one. And right now, I don't think that you can say that. I don't think you can say that you like him more than any of the other three head coaches in the, in the division. Like, I, I don't think he's, maybe you like him more, but like, I don't, which I don't know anybody saying that, but I, but I don't think he's better than any of them. I don't think he's shown you that he can build the staff. I don't think he's shown you that he can uh, bring anything strategic X's and O's wise. I don't think he brings any sort of standard that is more attractive than uh, Matt Fleur or Kevin O'Connell or, or Dan Campbell, even who a lot of people, you know, the butt of a lot of jokes, including ones that I made, uh, yeah. you know, when, when he was first hired. Right. But you know, you see those, those results there. I'm not sure you see that in game um, in, or staff building or anything like that, that you, you really are, are impressed with here. So I think when you look back and you say the strength of schedule coming into this year, the conference is down, like the, the just kind of the changes, all the things that we talked about set this up for the bears to be able to be a playoff team. And, you know, I, I, we we put it out there, like maybe not, maybe other people didn't agree with us, but we said this this was a playoff team. I had them nine and eight, you had them ten and ten and seven, um, and and this was going to be a playoff team. They're going to fall short of that, regardless. Of what even if it's a little short, they're going to fall short of it. And I, I really think it comes down to his conservative approach. And is that something that you want to go forward with into the future, regardless of whether or not that includes Justin Fields or a rookie quarterback? I think the answer in isolation, in a silo, is that this is a good opportunity for you to go out and get a different coach. 
Yeah, it's coaching. I mean, that's that's different to me. That's different between playoffs or no playoffs this year. It's coaching. Those three historically double-digit losses suck. Uh, week one against the Packers sucked. The game plan against the Vikings the first time sucked. This team should be in the playoffs if it wasn't for poor game planning, poor in-game decisions. And game planning against the Bucks also got to throw that in there. Yeah, the Bucks. That was the that point was where Todd Poles was shocked. At the, at what they did on offense, like what yeah. are you doing? Like this is you're not going to do the stuff that works. Okay, yeah. fine, yeah. we'll take it. Yes, yeah, it should it's be rough. in the playoffs. It's rough, and and that's where we've kind of been all year. We both of us, we've kind of been there, but now it looks like he's coming back. So the only hope we have here is that he gets better with those in game decisions. I mean, it's possible. It's not like he's done growing as a coach, done growing as a leader. It could happen. Okay, it just has not happened yet so far through two years. So why should I have the faith that it's going to happen all of a sudden? I'm going to have to get on board because it looks like that's what's going to happen here with the Bears. I hope it comes with a new OC. Luke Getzey ain't it. And and if that's the case, then I think Fields comes back. But again, like we've, what a weird. This is going to be such a strange offseason, and and we're not going to get much clarity probably till closer to the draft, especially if flu stays. The flu stays. We're not going to know anything until we get closer to the draft. If if by chance Flus is gone, you may have something pop up quicker because the new guy is going to want his guy. It's probably going to be the rumor that they move fields, but who knows? <laughs> it's, it's, it's gonna it, what the the Bears again control the offseason. Yes, know, two, two years in a row. So we'll, we'll find out something here and uh, pretty soon. And they have plenty of money in free agency. So. Yes. We will be here to cover it, so yeah. stick with us on that. We'll be here next week to talk about the last game of the season against that team up north. Uh, hopefully they exercise some demons and, and get that going as well. But thank you all for joining us on this episode. Another win, so let's celebrate those where you get it. Happy New Year to everybody. If you had a, a great 2023, I hope you double up and you have a great 2024. If you had a crappy 2023, leave it behind. Let's have a great 2024 together. Uh, appreciate you all being with us and appreciate all the interaction. And uh, we will see you next week. And until then, bear down.